This episode of Cox and Friends is brought to you by the Utah State Gear Up Engineering Camp. That's right, the Utah State Gear Up Engineering Camp or something. Let's go. And welcome back to another scintillating edition of Cox and Friends. It is hot outside. Um, I am your host, Lieutenant Governor sizzling. Spencer Cox. I'd say it's even sizzling <laughs> And this edition. This is the podcast you didn't know you needed and probably don't. And we are here today with the friends, and we are very excited. I do have to say, after last week's episode, the, the all-guy episode, um, I, I think uh, Kirsten and Abby were so upset that they, uh, they, they demanded more airtime. And in fact, they ran off uh, John and uh, Spencer Ryan Hall. They're just gone. We intimidated them yeah, out intimidated of here. And they're That's here. So uh, we do have the friends in the house. That, that voice you heard, that was uh, my chief of staff, Kirsten Rapley. Kirsten. Hey, guys. I know you missed me. Hey, we did. Just it's been a while. It's good, good to have you back. We it, totally the all missed day you. Episode, it was good. Kirsten, it was good. A lot of people told me you're their favorite voice on the podcast. That's right. And I'll just say it could be because no one can tell the difference between me and John. Mm. <laughs> That's, That's true. Totally they fair. can't tell if like they that dislike that one us, guy who like talks or, a lot yeah. to himself. That's right. <laughs> well, we're glad. And that that was Owen Fuller, in case you thought it was John Cox. Uh, Owen Fuller, welcome. We're glad to have you. So good to be back. Abby Cox, it has been a long time. It has been a long time, and it's been a wild summer. And so it is good to be here and glad we could fit it in today. What's been wild about it? Well... <laughs> <laughs> Well, There's we've no been campaigning. <laughs> we got a boy home from a mission. We are sending another boy out. We are getting another boy ready for an HEFY humanitarian adventure. We've had camps. We've had, a, let's see, we we had a pageant in there. Our daughter did a did a junior Miss Fairview pageant. What else? I Should I keep going? You Are you tired yet? Family, which is, you know. <laughs> well, I didn't think we were. Okay, and let's she talk was about that text that we got from Lieutenant Governor Cox we, after we, the pageant. We, we did not. I forgot <laughs> about the pageant stuff. We didn't talk about that on here, did we? Uh, mm-hmm. My daughter begged us to do this pageant. I told her, no, we don't believe in pageants. And then she won. And I just have to say, pageants are a really important part <laughs> of American life <laughs> and who amazing. we are. And they're good for self-esteem. And apparently, I'm And you're not competitive at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all, but I'm really proud of my girl. Um, I and I, my son Adam is here in studio with us. He's not on mic, but Adam just got back from Utah State Engineering Camp. He's 16 and uh, had a great time. Right, Ad? Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Adam became famous um, a little bit for a, a meme of of our family that went out when he said he was refusing to do farm work. And uh, we've talked about that before. And I, I have to give him credit. He has totally redeemed himself. He's the best worker <laughs> on the farm. He has been moving pipe all summer long. He's fantastic. And he's a bright kid. We're glad to have him. Well, after the look Abby gave him. That's, that's right. I'm still scared. Set anyone straight. <laughs> that's <so>. right. <laughs> but today we have a very special guest in studio. And we are so excited. Um, this is one who's been on our list for a long, long time, and uh, and he's he's going to uh, he's going to talk. A I, in fact, I'm going to let Owen introduce him, Davis. Um, uh, I just gave it away, but Owen, oh, I know you guys have been close for a long time. I've gotten to know Davis recently, and uh, and he's just a great friend. But Owen, give us the 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 full introduction. Yeah, Davis Smith, uh, CEO and co-founder of Cotopaxi, the brand so many of us know and love. Uh, great, great outdoor gear that's known for doing good, and. Um, they have these big questivals that are huge events. You've probably seen a whole bunch of people running around one city or another or some space celebrating with these uh, events that I hope Davis will talk more about. A really uh, cool entrepreneurial background. So he's, uh, you know, 
we're, we're kind of a similar generation, but I've looked up to him from the moment I met him. Davis has, okay, Davis said he didn't want this to be about him, but here I go. <laughs> Good luck, Davis. This <laughs> is going to be all about you. Davis. Davis is a, like, this quality that he has that I love is he's one of the most likable people that you, like, I, the first time I met him, we were like 10 seconds in, and I was like, man, I want, I just, let's hang out. Like, well, you know, can, I, can we grab a bite were or you something? Creepy yeah. To Davis. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to hold it in, but uh, Davis is a guy I just have a ton of admiration for, and, um, Really excited that he's here to join us to uh, talk about his adventures. Well, after all yeah. that, Davis, you're on my well, welcome. Yeah, well, I'm glad to be here. I, honestly, I just got a text from Owen saying, "Hey, would you, you know, join us for this podcast?" I had no idea. I thought maybe I'd just like talk about this event that we're having tonight or something. <laughs> I didn't, and then all of a sudden, it's like, "Oh, you're going to talk about." All these other things, and uh, I wasn't <laughs> sure I was ready to, to talk about me. But uh, well, we're going to yeah. talk about you. Yes. And uh, Davis, I, I I don't remember when you and I first met, but I know the first time I remember was when Lin Manuel Miranda was in town, and oh, we, right, had, yeah. we had lunch. And uh, you your came. good friend Lin, my good friend Lin, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look at him finding a way to weave that into the narrative. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to name drop today. It's <laughs> 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 work. But let's uh, let's start uh, let's start with you. You, um, I, I mean, you're here in Utah. You started this company, um, Cotopaxi. It's amazing. Everybody knows about it's the biggest thing but I, I want to start backwards because you haven't lived your whole life in Utah you yeah. a very roundabout way of coming here so, so give us your your bio give us your background. yeah so I, I have um, some deep roots in Utah um, you know my my great aunt was Olean Walker the former lieutenant governor um, I didn't know heard that. that yeah so Whoa. Um, I, I knew that and uh, by the way Olean just really set the standard for lieutenant governors most people don't know this but we didn't even have a lieutenant governor until 1975 and oh. uh, and then we didn't have a a, 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 a lieutenant governor who was elected on the same ticket as the governor until late 70s, early 80s, right around there. So Olean was lieutenant governor for 10 years, longer than any lieutenant governor in history. And she just, she's the queen. She's yeah. it. She's the she one. She was an, an amazing, an amazing yeah. woman for sure. And so, you know, I have, uh, you know, my, my dad was born in California, but his father was born in Ogden. Um, and I grew up in Latin America. So I, I uh, grew up as a kid living in a number of different countries, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Ecuador, um, where the name Cotopaxi comes from, a volcano in Ecuador, uh, where I used to go backpacking with my dad. It's the first place I saw llamas in the wild. Uh, of course, we have a llama in our logo. And, um, you know, those, those years growing up in Latin America really shaped me. And it, it's a big reason I wanted to build a brand that was about giving back. And so um, I moved to Utah when I was a, a teenager, went to high school here, uh, went to BYU, and, uh, but then ended up moving back to Latin America. I went to grad school back east and then uh, moved down to Brazil uh, where my wife and I lived with our kids and we built a business there and then about five years ago moved back to Utah. So, so what, what made you decide to come back to Utah? Yeah, so we, you know, there's certainly a, a center of gravity here, um, but I, I, I knew I wanted to build a business that was about giving back. And when, as we kind of were deciding on where to do this business, I, I decided I wanted to build an outdoor brand. Um, I felt like those that love the outdoors, like me, have connected with something bigger than themselves. And that was the, that's what this brand was really about. And so um, we were kind of looking at Seattle, where my wife was from, and um, and Salt Lake, and Ultimately, my wife said, you know, I, w I would rather be in Salt Lake. And that made a lot of sense for us because, number one, the access to the outdoors in Utah is unparalleled. 
And secondly, building a brand that has heart in it, I mean, that's Utah. I mean, we have the most generous state in the country, the most dollars and time donated than any state in the country. And so this is a community that cares about giving back. And that's, of course, many people here have lived all over the world and they, they've made those connections with different people and cultures. So when I wanted to build a brand that was focused on um, alleviating global poverty, this felt like the right place. Owen. Well, I was just wondering if you could tell uh, a little bit of the origin story. I know I've heard it a few different times in different um, fashions, but kind of how it came to be and, and the person yeah. that you met that yeah. inspired it. Yeah. And what Cotopaxi is for those people who don't oh, know, yeah, who have no, been living great, under rocks or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, no, that's <laughs> a great point. So uh, I guess I'll start with Cotopaxi. You know, we're an outdoor gear brand, but um, our slogan is gear for good or do good. And uh, we're just, we sell back, backpacks and jackets and outerwear, tent sleeping bags, but all of, we use our profits to support poverty alleviation. Uh, we employ refugees here in, in Utah. And People see me with my do good sweatshirt on all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah just, a, yeah, just a, quick, yeah. a quick comment on that is that I have enough Cotopaxi gear that in a few entrepreneurial circles, people have thought that I work there and like <laughs> I won't say which one but one of the most prominent CEOs in the state of Utah one time gave me a hug and is like you guys are just killing it man I'm so proud of you <laughs> take credit it took me a second I thought he was talking about my company he thought <laughs> I worked at Codifex it's like thank you yeah it's hard work but we're doing our best <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it's great re- stuff you have much better hair than I do uh, <laughs> so uh, you know you know kind of the origin um I'll say, first of all, as a, as a four-year-old, I remember seeing, living in the Dominican Republic, seeing children um, completely naked on the sides of the street. And at that young age, I was starting to understand that my life was completely different than others, and not because of anything that I had done. Um, I was not smarter. I was not harder working. I was not more deserving. Um, these people had the same ambitions and dreams that I did, and they had no opportunity because of where they were born. And... Um, I knew that I had a responsibility from the time I was a child to find a way to help. And so when I was in college at BYU, I found an internship um, working in Peru. And uh, when I was there, I was in a little city called Cusco. And I, um, my first hour there, I, I bought a meal. And instead of eating in this little restaurant, I sat in the main plaza on this park bench. And um, all these little kids ran up to me to sell me things, uh, postcards and finger puppets and candy and having grown up in Latin America, I immediately connected with these kids and joked around with them. And after a while, they all kind of ran off. And there was one little boy that sat next to me on his shoe shining kit, and he kept insisting to shine my shoes. And I, um, it took me a few minutes. I, I was able to convince him finally that it's not possible to shine tennis shoes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just the cutest kid. And a uh, little nine-year-old boy, but seemed much smaller than a nine-year-old. His name was Edgar. And um, we just kind of hit it off. And as he kept sitting there watching me eat, I realized maybe he's sitting here still because he's hungry. So I offered him the rest of my food. And I'd never seen somebody eat like that before. Um, He just devoured it. And um, that night as I was eating dinner, I thought, I'm going to, I want to go find this little boy again. And so I saved um, some of my dinner and I went out into the main plaza. And he was always easy to spot. He had a hole in the butt of his pants with no underwear on every day. And mm-hmm. so I, I found him straight away, and um, he, he was so shocked that I found him again. And he took this food, and he ran back, and he started sharing it with all his friends, and they started eating it with their hands. And that became a daily ritual for me. It was the highlight of my day every single day, finding Edgar. And uh, my last night in Cusco, as I was um, walking back to my place, it was close to midnight. It was cold. You could see your breath in the air. 
I saw two little boys cuddled against each other on the side of the street. And as I got closer, I recognized one of them as Edgar. And uh, I woke him up and asked him why he was sleeping on the street. And he told me that someone had stolen his shoe shining kit and he was too afraid to go home. Uh, his dad was an alcoholic and he was the one that was responsible for feeding his family. And um, it just broke my heart. And um, I gave him the cash that I had, which wasn't very much. And uh, that night I could hardly sleep. I was just so worried about little Edgar and thinking about this life that he had. And um, the next morning I got on a bus to leave Cusco for the last time. And as it went around the main plaza, um, it was letting some people on and off. And I looked out the window and I saw Edgar and he saw me. And we had just enough time where he ran next to this bus waving goodbye to me. And um, he was holding a big bag of candy that he bought with the money I gave him that he was now selling in the streets. And it was on that bus that I made a commitment that I was going to spend my life focused on helping people like Edgar. And so uh, I think about Edgar every day. I have since 2001 when I first met him. And so uh, he's shaped my life. And uh, just in the last few years, I actually went back to Peru for the first time. And um, through a series of, of small miracles, I actually found Edgar. Oh he's he's a, a man now. Um, he still works in the streets. And he took me to his home. Um, he was so proud to show it to me. It's a, a house made of mud, uh, dirt floors, a hole in the ground for a toilet. And um, a part of me was just so discouraged to see how he was living. But another part of me was so proud because he was so proud. And he was raising his two younger siblings. His mom died giving birth to his little brother uh, when, Edgar was nine, uh, when he was 11. And uh, his dad died of alcohol abuse a couple of years after that. And so um, over the last three years, I've been helping him pay for a program where he's learning to be a tour guide. And so he's graduating this year. Hmm. And uh, I'm just so proud of him. He's just an inspiration to me every day. So that was wow. really... Kind of one of the origins of this desire to go build something that could help people. So that, I, that's incredible. And thank you. <laughs> I just, You're not supposed to make us cry I, on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no crying <laughs> policy. Um, t tell us more about, um, about how Cotopaxi helps. I mean, you mentioned refugees and, yeah. and we're going to be talking more about that, but wh what are some of the, the way you've done some really cool, innovative things to bless the lives, not, not just, you know, giving them money, but getting them involved in the company as well. Yeah. So, you know, the, the purpose of the business was always to help those that lived in abject poverty, um, people that live in uh, typically less than a dollar a day. Um, that's where we feel we can make the greatest impact uh, with our dollars. That said, I, I was in Utah, and I, I felt like I needed to do something here. Um, in my first month after moving here, I moved here right after Thanksgiving, and um, there was a, a Christmas event uh, the first month I was living in Utah five years ago. And um, one of my friends invited me to the, the governor's mansion uh, for an event with refugees. And I, I'm a little embarrassed to say, but I didn't even really know what a refugee was. Um, where I'd lived... In my life, I hadn't really been exposed to that. And I was blown away. I could not believe their stories. And so I really connected with, th with that and started getting involved in some different ways. And one of my employees, when we first started the business, I would write handwritten thank you cards to everyone that bought something from us. And that didn't scale very well, obviously. <laughs> so, uh, you know, at some point I wasn't able to keep doing that. But one of my employees said, Davis, like you, you're so passionate about refugees. What if we went to see if any of these refugees need work and we can pay them to write these thank you cards. And so we actually created a job club with the International Rescue Committee, the IRC, 
And um, we have refugees that now join this job club. They learn how to create a resume. They learn how to do a job interview. And they, they join our team. And so we've had over 100 refugees here in Salt Lake that have joined this job club that are official card writers for Cotopaxi. And they write a handwritten thank you card to everyone that makes an order from us. And they write in their native language since a lot of them are still learning English. Uh, and it's just been an awesome, awesome <laughs> experience. Like watching them come in the office and learning their stories. Uh, I have a, actually, can I tell you one story? Please. About yeah. One? Yeah. Yes. So, and actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce you to this girl tonight. Okay. She's going to be at the event. Her awesome. name's Jolly. Okay. And her older brother, Fiston, were both card writers for us. And um, they also, we did a, a coding class on the weekends where we taught refugees how to code. So they did that for 20 weeks. We, just, just super involved. And all, every, anything that we did with refugees, they were there. And um, I was asking them one evening, I said, you know, so tell me about your parents. What are your parents doing? And they told me, we don't have parents. I was like, no, like, what, is, what do you mean? Like, how did, how did you get here? And they're like, oh, you know, Fiston was the oldest brother. He was 19 at the time. This is a few years ago. And he said, uh, when I was 13, my parents were killed in the Civil War. In, in and the this Con- is where? In-, in the Congo. Okay. Mm. And um, he had uh, all these younger siblings. The youngest was four years old. And they walked from Congo to Uganda. They drank out of rivers. They ate anything they could find on the ground. And um, these siblings walked to Uganda, lived in a refugee camp for four and a half years, and then were lucky enough to get chosen to be resettled to the United States. And they were sent to Salt Lake City, Utah. Wow. And so um, Jolly, who is the second oldest, um, she's just finished her sophomore year at the University of Utah, has a full scholarship there, studying Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. And uh, she is awesome. And uh, this entire family... Every one of these siblings, they, they have some of the kids are the same ages as my older kids. And so we have them to our house. Like, they're just so inspiring. They want to be lawyers. They want to be business you know, owners. They, they have all these ambitions, and they have no mentor. They, they, have, they don't have an uncle that can connect them with somebody. They don't have any of that. And um, they're just, this is like the future of Utah. It's these amazing, amazing people that have gone through so much that are ready to come here and contribute and give back to our state. That's incredible. And uh, we're, you, you mentioned the event tonight. Of course, when this pod comes out, we're recording this on a Friday, it, uh, the event will be over. But I, I appreciate what you're doing so much because you've been an inspiration to us. And, and when we decided to run for office, we, we decided that was going to be important. You know, again, the, the model for business has always been make as much money as you can, right? And, and then whatever happens, you donate it or, mm-hmm. or do whatever. But um, doing good along the way, I was at the uh, Native American Summit today in, in, uh, that we have every year. And we had um, a, a, a professor from Slick um, who grew up in the Navajo tribe. Mm-hmm. And, and he was talking about how they historically have viewed business and, and the importance of balance in, in everything in life and that it's it's not supposed to be just about making money or getting ahead but it, giving back and, and being part of a community and how important that was and and, and that's a that's an eternal truth right mm-hmm. we, we all feel that but we forget it and you and your business remind us of that in what you're doing and you're being incredibly successful along the way and I, I, I don't think it's in spite of it I think it's because of it that people feel good when they yeah. buy your gear and know it's going to something good and they, they read those things Thank you notes. So yeah, thank no, you. well, thank you. No, I think that's a great point. I think sometimes people ask the question, like, well, I mean, what 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 sacrifices are you having to make for the business to go do go do good? And it's like none. I mean, this is the thing. Like, if you're if you're doing good and you're doing it the right way and it's authentic, it's going to be good for business. You can do well and do good at the same time. They don't conflict with each other in some way. So. 
Um, and, you know, this is this is the future of capitalism. You know, capitalism is amazing. It's transformed the world that we live in. Um, in 1820, uh, almost 200 years ago, uh, I want you guys to guess, what percentage of the world lived in extreme poverty? This is under $1.90 a day in today's dollars. It's a big number. What are you saying? Maybe. 50? <clears throat> okay, 50. I was going to guess just above 50. I'm not going to guess because I'll be super okay. embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Abby, do you have a guess? Yeah, I'm going to go 60. Oh, you're, you're the closest one. So <laughs> wow. it was a big number. 94. Oh, my what? gosh. 94% of the world lived in extreme poverty in 1820. Basically, every human on the planet was living in extreme poverty. The world we live in, so when I was born in uh, 1978, um, it was actually 40%. When I graduated from high school, it was 20%. Last year, it was 9%. We are eradicating extreme poverty in our lifetimes. And a lot of this is because of capitalism. It's the, the opening of markets in India and China. But at the same time, like capitalism is really destructive. Like we, we're destroying the planet that we live on. You know, we, uh, people are exploited. And all in, in, the, in the, under this, this purpose of getting as much profit as possible. So we need to change that. Like capitalism is so powerful and it's so wonderful, but it's also misused. And so we need businesses to think differently and we need consumers to think differently. And so, uh, and if we do that, I think the next hundred years of capitalism will be much better for our planet than maybe the last hundred years. I love that. Thank you for setting the example. We're going to take a break. When we come back, um, we're- we're going to ask you about some crazy adventures, this right. other part I, of yeah, your life. I love that. Yeah. We're really excited about it. We'll be right back. And welcome back. This segment of Cox and Friends is brought to you by Questival. Questival by Cotopaxi. Uh, Questival is really, really cool. In fact, we stole some of... Uh, the, the Questival ideas for a project we did in my office, and uh, I'll tell you about that. But first of all, Davis, we have Davis Smith here with us. He is the uh, the founder of Cotopaxi, the outdoor gear that is changing the world in good ways, giving back and doing good. And uh, Davis, tell us a little bit more about Questival, like what it is and how it came to be. Yeah. I mean, so when I was in uh, when I was in grad school, um, I went I went to the Wharton School uh, to study business, and I also did a at the same time I was doing this dual degree. I did a master's in international studies with an emphasis in Latin America, and uh, I was one of my buddies in this program. Uh, we started talking about how it would be so epic if we were able to do this like amazing race type of experience with our classmates, and so we organized this race from Belize to Panama. Oh and, my gosh. and you had to cross um, you had to cross every border uh, by foot and you had <laughs> and you got points with your team by giving service in the community like helping you know a local entrepreneur in Guatemala or you also got points for doing you know maybe sandboarding down a volcano in Nicaragua so like uh, or picking up litter in, in, a, in, a, in a park in El Salvador so it was like so you got all these so cool. points and the whole thing took about two weeks and it was like this just life-changing experience and so um, when I was starting Cotopaxi, you know, a number of years later, um, I wanted this brand to not just be about selling stuff. I wanted people to go live the brand, to go have these experiences where they felt a connection with our values. And so uh, I had the idea of like basically replicating this event that we did that we called the Culture Quest. And we named this event the Questival. And it was a, we condensed it into 24 hours and we thought, Utah is pretty epic. Let's uh, let's just have people explore Utah. So, we um, 
we actually, to get, you know, no one knew who Cotopaxi was. We hadn't even launched yet. You know, this was just an idea. Um, as, but the day that we turned on our website, we had this first Questival. And the way people found out about it is we actually went on the KSL classifieds and we bought two llamas and what? we showed up on college campuses with these two llamas. <laughs> no and, uh, you know, we, I remember going to BYU's <laughs> campus and, uh, I don't know if any of you have been following the Honor Code uh, Instagram stories, but this place is strict, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, we're, I, we're familiar. Yeah, okay. So it was like, you know, I wonder how long the llamas last on BYU campus. Like, the, the, we're going to get, a, you know, the llamas are going to get arrested, you know, within minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, we get into the, the center of Brigham Square, uh, right in the heart of campus, and um, immediately there are hundreds of students gathered around taking selfies posting on social media about these llamas, and they're all saying, why are the llamas on campus? And we say, because the Questival's coming. We tell them about the scavenger hunt, this 24-hour adventure race that you do with your friends. Everyone gets a backpack when they, you know, a Cotopaxi backpack, this new brand that's about giving back and serving the community. And you get points by volunteering in the community, by doing good, by spending time in the outdoors. And so um, about four hours in, uh, the campus police roll up in this golf cart. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is it, you know, yeah. uh, this is it for the llamas. And uh, good, good <laughs> run while it lasted. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Hauling one of the, the llamas <laughs> off on a golf cart, that's an awesome Exactly. Image. So one of these uh, campus police gets out and he comes up to me and says, sir, uh, can I take a selfie with your llama? And I was like, what? <laughs> so uh, he took a selfie and like went off. And it was like, oh my gosh, if you have a llama with you, you can like break any law. You know? <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, you know, we ended up having this amazing uh, event, you know, this, this 24-hour race. And we now do the, the, the Questivals all over the country. And uh, it's just an amazing experience where people can go with their friends or family, spend 24 hours together, enjoying the outdoors, exploring their community, giving back. What, what are some of the specific events and, and challenges yeah. that you do during this race? Yeah, so it can be everything from, you know, go f spend an hour volunteering at a soup kitchen to um, go hike up to Enzyme Peak or, you know, go, go mountain bike on some trail or eat a worm to survive, or make your own shelter and sleep in it. I mean, it, it, and there's hundreds of challenges. So, I mean, if you're someone that loves the outdoors, you can go spend your entire time in the outdoors. If you're someone that's like, ah, I'm not really a camping kind of person, you can go spend your entire time doing all these kind of quirky, fun challenges around your city. People get really strategic about it too, because they're weighted differently, right? So something that maybe takes a little bit longer, or is a little bit more physically exerting or whatever, is worth more points. So you can kind of design it however you want, but I have friends who've done it, and they, I mean, like pour through strategy before going yeah. to Questival, because you guys change the list up we every do. time. Yeah. So it's, you know, not, you, you can't really strategize in advance, but and, and people, it's intense. I, I mean, people use the website and they have to post pictures and uh, yes, the we have app, an app, I guess. Proof. Yeah, we have yeah. an app. Yeah. Yeah, so the app, they, they, they post videos or pictures and then, um, you know, people go on there and they swipe right. Or, like the other racers are voting on the other racers. So you want to create great content so people are right swiping instead of left swiping. And oh it's gosh. great. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun do event. Do you do it? Have you done it? I ha no, you know, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't actually done the questionable. <laughs> I did, you know, I did because I, I did the two week version, right? Yeah. So I, I was, uh, Nothing I was will compare, Yeah, exactly. So, but I <laughs> love going, I love going to them and seeing them and, uh, that, that's a fun. Do they there's, end in like a big bash or something like that? Yeah, it seems like they do, right? Yeah. There's, yeah, there's usually a big kickoff event and throughout there's sometimes like we do a push notification on the app and say, hey, everyone meet here and we're going to do good together. We're going to, you know, do this flash mob and go pick up litter on the Jordan River Trail or and people all get together so it's a, it's a fun community i mean you see other people wearing their cotopaxi bag during this oh event, i've been there i've been there at the gateway when there's just teams everywhere oh yeah and like you see another yeah. team and you're just like 
Cotopaxi, you know, Questel. Yeah. It's like there's like this tribe so where you're cool. instantly connected. So awesome. well, it's brilliant and uh, it, brilliant from a marketing standpoint, mm. but again, just from a human standpoint as well, that people love that. So we we did steal the idea. We we do a, a campus cup, what we call the campus cup um, competition every year to get people registered to vote on college campuses. <clears throat> and so we took the Questival idea and we added in service projects and brilliant. had the the different campuses competing against each other. And um, they they loved it. You know, the young people thought. It was incredible. I just said the young people. You did. Like the, the, you the, are a million years old, the, officially. Those youths. The youths loved youths. it, and uh, we we had a great time, and it was it was it was so much fun. So you have this this other side, you this adventurous side, and uh, you uh, a, a friend of mine, a mutual friend of ours. Um, you you served together in in church positions. He just told me he's like, yeah, I'm going on this crazy survivor like um, uh, t- <laughs> trip, I guess, yeah. and hopefully. I survive and I make it we back. We barely did, by the way. So, <laughs> oh, my so gosh. You've done several of these, but, yeah. but t- yeah, tell us more about it. Yeah, so um, as a kid growing up, so my, my dad is an adventurer. So I, I grew up, we made our own raft and floated the Amazon River. <laughs> uh, I have to laugh at you making your own raft. We just read about the <laughs> scout troop oh from my city that made their own canoes. Yeah, quick aside. And didn't that make was it very so far. That, that was going to be one of my sponsors, but I was <laughs> oh a little worried gosh. about the, the Cedar City canoes. But yeah, yeah, I, I mean, just... They're just, all okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you just the quick version. They were going to do a 60-mile <laughs> trip down the Green River. Um, they made these canoes out of PVC pipes and tarps. <laughs> and uh, the, the first canoe sunk within 400 feet of the dock over oh. the next... I think three miles, they all sank. Fortunately, nobody died, but one kid was clinging to a tree. Another kid came breathless to a farmhouse, you know, begging for help. They came and rescued all the all the kids. So I'm gl- glad to know your raft did yeah, better than, yeah. than the canoes. Yeah, we're, we're lucky. <laughs> but we didn't make ours out of PVC pipe, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that maybe helped. Yeah, I read that story yesterday. I mean, that's just like mind-blowing uh, how that happened. But... Uh, so yeah, you know, grew up uh, adventuring as a kid, and I did a survival trip with my dad when I was young. And um, so a number of years ago, I started deciding to do them again. So um, this one that I did uh, a few months ago uh, was was fun. We, you know, basically what I'll do is I'll, I'll go to a remote uh, island or set of islands, and I'll um, sometimes kayak in between the islands. Or um, on this last trip, we got a, a sailboat. Now that's a very liberal term. I mean, this oh. is like. A, as it, the boat's like, uh, it's about as long as a canoe. Uh, it, it has two sails, a mizzen and a main, and then it fits about three people with your gear. There's no motor or anything. So we got this little sailboat. We sailed from island to island, and um, you just bring, like, your mask, your fins, um, oh your gosh. spear, a machete, and you Naturally, just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. That's my packing list usually when I go on vacation. <laughs> what about as you do, <laughs> as, as you do. For fire, do you have waterproof matches that you tuck away into that kit? So we do, um, depending on the trip, like... Yeah. I'll hey, make is that it, cheating? Yeah. The, the, sometimes you, you want, like I bring a little magnifying glass. It's like a credit card almost, but it's uh, it magnifies. Uh-huh. So you can use that. That lights... Um, coconuts pretty easily yeah um but you know on this trip we had some we had some matches so yes we had some some uh Luxuries. some luxury items yeah <laughs> but uh you know we brought no food not even like a granola bar nothing and so um we went out and we just uh we'd spear fish every day and uh you you know you make your fire you cook it on the fire and one of the cool things is, is you create no waste it's really interesting like you don't even think about it until you're like day four and you're like i don't even have a single piece of garbage like, this is amazing. Um, on one of these trips that I did, I think I maybe told Owen about it, but um, 
I was on, this is probably two years ago, I was on a, this remote beach in the middle of nowhere, like nothing around. I didn't see a single human, a boat, nothing for days. Were you by yourself? No, uh, with two friends. Two friends, okay. Um, and uh, we're like no signs of humans anywhere except plastic everywhere, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. everywhere. This beach is just covered in toothbrushes, in flip-flops, in dog toys, plastic bottles and caps, um, just plastic everywhere. And no one dumped it there. It was washed in from the ocean. And uh, that was a life-changing moment for me where I realized I need to change the way I consume. And, um, you know, we can obviously, like, we have, we have some water bottles here. Like, we can recycle these. But a lot of times we're not. Like, if you go eat out and you're getting a plastic fork, like these single-use items, mm-hmm. um, those, I mean, they're pretty destructive. So, um, so, yeah. But these survival trips are fun. I've had, uh, on this last one, uh, I lost 14 pounds, by the way. It was <gasps> well, not That does sound like fun. Owen, yeah. you and I need a survival <laughs> oh trip. <laughs> and I, There's three people. Quickie diet. <laughs> me and Davis. Yeah. How, how long so, was it? It was trip? five days. I got sick, and uh-huh. so, uh, but, and uh, you know, I, I can lose fourteen pounds, but I'm I'm kind of a skinny guy. Like I, yeah. I, I mean, fourteen pounds is a lot for me. In uh, five days, that's yeah. a lot. I gained it back in five days too, by the way. So uh, nice. I'm good uh, at that part. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wait. So what happens when you get sick? I mean, so you're out there by yourself, and yeah. then what? How do you call for help? What yeah, do you do? You know, this is this is one of the cool things that I like about these trips is that things never go as planned. There's always something that goes wrong. <laughs> And um, you rely on each other. So, like, I was the most experienced in this group, the three of us that went. Um, but um, this friend of yours, you know, he's uh, – can we say his name or not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. So, Alan Matheson, um, you know, he's a great outdoorsman. I mean, amazing, you know, fisherman and, uh, you know. And then um, Joseph Staples, who's uh, the CMO of Motivosity, another company, startup company here, he was with us. And so, like, we all had, like, added different things, different elements. And so, um, yeah, the we all, CMO pumping people up, he was keeping the spirits exa- high. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, like, there was a point where, like, I, I knew I was getting sick. I knew something was wrong. And it was like, we need to go out and fish, like, instantly because I, I was the fisherman. You know, I, this is like, I grew up oh. doing this. Like, I knew how to spear the fish. And so, it was like, let's go out immediately. Let's spear as, ma- as many as we can because I might. If I start feeling any worse, I'm going to be out of commission. And sure enough, I was. And so for the next uh, two days, I just laid in, in, a, in the fetal position. And uh, <laughs> I just laid on the sand. And, like, they had to do everything, you know. So, um, But there were other times where I had to pitch in and help them with something that they were struggling with. And so it's, it brings you really – like, when you go do a survival trip with a, with a friend or a couple friends, uh, it's, a, it's a new friendship for life. Oh my gosh. Have wow. you ever had any that have well, been a, a friendship that ended for life out there in the wild? I'm like, how is your wife like letting yeah. you do this? I'm just You just like, don't do it with your so spouse, right? <laughs> so like you're sick and you're sitting there thinking, well, am I just going to die here on this little beach? Or I mean, how do you how do you get out? What Tell yeah. us what you're going through emotionally. <laughs> so I mean, I knew I wasn't going to die. So it turns out I th- I think I had salmonella. So oh I from a gosh. coconut because they didn't get sick. So it wasn't from a fish. And the fish were like fresh. Like we speared them. We cooked them like immediately. Um, but uh, it turns out, like I went home and I was telling my dad, I was like, I'm so confused. How did I get sick? And my dad's like, you ate a bad coconut. I was like, actually, I did eat a bad coconut. I remember a coconut that I ate. That was the like, offending coconut. The offending coconut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, I knew I'd be fine. I mean, it was, it was, it was uncomfortable, but I also, I didn't want to be a complainer, so I couldn't really complain. Uh, you know, so I just kind of laid there until I started feeling a little bit better. So, oh my God. but yeah, it was okay. But I, I, you know, I did it. Um, 
uh, this is probably, I don't know, when it was three or four years ago, I did a kayaking trip from Cuba to Florida. And uh-huh. that, if I, I yeah. don't, you know this, that yeah. turned out not great. So my Tough. kayak broke in half in the middle of the ocean in a storm and, and sank to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. It was not good. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. That's that's not so, good. That's I, not I don't good. know a lot about kayaking. I yeah. can't even yeah. breathe. Why are you still here? <laughs> what so, happened? Anyway, uh, adventures are awesome because, uh, you know, doing hard things. I'm not like some people go climb, climb Everest or something. I'm not that tough. Like I, I have uh, I'm not wired that way. But I do like pushing myself. I like doing hard things because, um, you know, it. it it pushes you to a limit that you, maybe you didn't know you could go through. And, and it, you kind of realize, you know what? I, my body is capable of doing pretty amazing things if my mind can help me get through it. And so... How did your mind get you through your kayak at the bottom of the ocean? Can you finish that story for us? Yeah. yeah. You're just going to leave us hanging there? <laughs> That's ridiculous and should be illegal. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I, so I grew up... So I moved to the Caribbean as a kid. Um, Always loved um, Spanish-speaking Latin America. Um, had a handful of friends who had a parent that was maybe a Cuban. And so I always had a real interest in Cuba, and especially because as an American, I couldn't go. Um, but when I was in grad school, I did um, some thesis work in Cuba. And so that was my first experience, and I just really fell in love with this country. It's a beautiful place. Um, obviously, it's, it, it's like the 1950s still. Um, socialism does not work, uh, in case you're wondering. But uh, it's a beautiful country and beautiful See, mo- people. Most people get on boats to get from Cuba to here, not the other way. Well, and actually, and that's how that's, we did. Well, actually, that's yeah. how I did. I was. I went from. I started. I started. Cuba. Yeah. Okay. So I okay. sailed. I actually sailed to Cuba. We got permission from the U.S. government on that trip to to sail with these kayaks. We had to get, get all the authorizations, which was pr- quite a process. But I wanted to know. Um, first of all, I wanted the, the physical challenge, but I really also wanted to understand what these people. We're going through, and this is like it's. This is not a real. I mean, I had resources that they would never have. I mean, they're going over in like the just awful, awful kind of boats that aren't even boats, like bathtubs. Basically, they've converted into boats, and um, people Cedar die. City canoes, yeah, yeah. Cedar <laughs> City canoes made out of PVC. What we're talking about here. exactly. Yeah. So, um, but it was an experience I wanted to have, and I, I spent um, a lot of months training here. You know, up in the Jordanelle or in the mm. Salt Lake or diff- different lakes, and I you know wake up at three or four in the morning and and uh, you know paddle you know into the day or sometimes through the next day over the night because the, like I wanted to train what it felt like to go without sleep and everything. And H- how long would uh, that trip? So it was 35, 35 hours. 35 hours. It was one hundred and twenty four wow. miles. And so and you don't huh. you don't stop. To eat or, or any, I mean, you, you just, you go nonstop, um, no sleeping, nothing. Um, but in the storm, we had a support boat just in case something happened. And um, the captain of the support boat was yelling out, hey, we need, I, it was pitch black. You couldn't see anything. And there was a storm. There was lightning off in the distance. Mm. And he's like, I can't see any of you. Like there's these huge waves. I had a couple of their buddies on kayaks as well. And um, we were in tandem kayaks. So my buddy and I worked together, my cousin, who we, we trained together. And um, we, he, this captain said, everyone come as close to the boat as possible so I can see you all. Because if I lose one of you, it's over. I will never find you. And so um, in the chaos of the storm, we ended up getting run over by this support boat. Oh, mm. my And gosh. so it flipped it over. Mm. We spent about an hour in the water. You know, it's 5,000 feet deep water. It's pitch black. Uh, you know, we're trying to salvage the kayak. We'd practice rescuing the kayak, but not in a storm where these waves are just throwing around. 
you know, this boat like is like a thousand pounds. It's like full yeah. of water. It's like impossible with the waves throwing around. So, and it finally, it was damaged and we kept thinking we'd get it, get back in it. We actually got in it once and it immediately started sinking again and then it, it broke and, and sank. So um, fortunately the support boat had a spare kayak. We were able to, to get in another kayak and, um, Honestly, it was like I was terrified. I don't think I've ever been so scared in my life. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. Abby and I kayaked uh, (laughs) three miles to an island in Costa Rica, and it was the scariest time of our life. (laughs) We got out. So the guy, the guy's like. So you made it. I'm so We had heard that you could get out there on a kayak to this other island. And so we're like, oh, okay, cool. And so so we asked the guy, can you do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, okay, well, where is it? And he's drawing us a little map in the sand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Always reliable. So we're like, hmm, all righty. So, we, so we, get, we get about halfway out to this other island, and we kind of look at each other like, what did we just do? We're going to die. <laughs> like, it's a lot farther. And then when we get around, we finally get there. We're like exhausted. We're like, oh, man, we got to turn around and come back. So we start coming back. And when you come back, you don't really – like we didn't think to look behind yeah, us. Yeah, so you know how to get. Yes. Yes. yes right. So we had no idea where oh. to land on yeah. the, yeah. like on the island or the one that we just left. And yeah. I'm thinking because the thing it seems obvious. Line. Like I'm gonna know how to get back, but yeah. when you turn around and look back, it's like I don't recognize any of that yeah. because I was never <laughs> looking at it. Yeah. So then I panic. I'm like, I have no idea where we're gonna go. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we somehow made it. Uh, we we made it back. I had I had trained by like eating Twinkies, uh, <laughs> zero training. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just here to tell you that that three miles felt like your 35 hours to me. I mean, my you know I couldn't move my shoulders for like a week. Yeah. <laughs> my stories aren't There's as good as yours. There's 110 miles. 110. Yeah. Googling it for comparison it's, it's, or not comparison. It's fine. We don't have to compare, Kirsten. <laughs> it's Look, separate. you're fired. We all have different. <laughs> I get fired by this guy like three, mi- three miles is a lot though. No, you've never. <laughs> Kayak? Yeah, no, before. it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. It really is. Thanks. <laughs> See, he makes yeah. us feel better. This is awesome. No, I. Do you I, want a job? Because mine <laughs> just opened <laughs> up. <laughs> we're in the same kayak, so we're like, yeah. yeah. So it was both of us. It's fine. Um, my stories aren't aren't great, <laughs> but uh, I, I, this is this is so cool. Um, I probably won't ever do it with you, but I appreciate the uh, the enthusiasm. Um, I could see Owen doing this. Owen somewhere. would do it. Owen's a traveler. This guy's an Owen explorer. Owen would do it. We've bonded over yeah. that. Yeah. I've definitely been inspired, and I've got ideas for adventures for us to take ahead. Kay. Yeah, I actually it. just got back from Alaska. I was uh, went did. back home. Yeah, it was a little different style of fishing. <laughs> I had uh, deckhand Georgie and Captain Donnie there to make sure the bait was always just. Well, nice. the way I needed nice. it and to untangle the lines, we caught a lot of halibut and salmon. It's, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Spear no, fishing that's like, on a remote island. That's, that's a dream trip. I mean, that's a trip that yeah. I want to do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys hear about the survival trip that uh, Senator Flake Jeff Flake. Did? He yeah. does those. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. 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 I've, read, I've read about him, and that's what it reminded me of when I knew you were doing those. Well, yeah. and you probably worked with him on that because Senator Flake and Davis are good buddies. Yeah. Well, he, I, I didn't really work with him on it, but he, he called me a few days before they left and told me a little bit about it. Then he sent me a few pictures since he's gotten back, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to getting together, and, and I want to hear about it. But yeah. he went with some of the podium, six of the podium executives, and Podium, for those that don't know, is a, a really awesome startup here in, in Utah. Has just done a phenomenal job. It's amazing how quickly they've grown. and um, So that's, that's pretty fun. I know Jeff loves talking about how he went uh, – 
He he did it with the Democrats. Yes, the, yeah. yeah. It was this bipartisan trip that he took. Uh, this this survival trip again, just like you described it. I mean, yeah. very very similar. And and how they bonded during that. And you, and you mentioned the friendship that comes out of yeah. that. And this was a Republican and a Democrat. Um, you know, we don't he, see much of that anymore. Yeah, I think he so. joked that uh, you know they finally proved that uh, senator, uh, you know, that uh, a senator that's a Republican and, and a Democrat can can get along. As long as like their lives are on the line, yeah. you know, yeah. or something, yeah. something like that. So, well, so I've never done anything like that, but we did do Ragnar once. Oh yeah. <laughs> so my Ragnar question is, <laughs> but so you're in this van, you know, with like what tw- it, like, like six because okay. it's two teams of or yeah, two teams of, like yeah. it's twelve altogether. But you're you never really see the other side. Um, thirty hours. Uh, yeah, about thirty hours. You're in, and I'm thinking, you know, like. It could go either way, right? Like, if you really don't like these people, it could get really bad. Because there's a few that I was like, I don't want to do that with them anymore. This is not a great one. Let's hope they're they're not regular listeners to the pod here, Abby. They're going to be wondering (laughs) which one. And one (laughs) was awesome where we really did, like, bond with But the other Ragnar was like, well, you you only do the survival trip with someone that you know really well. That you, Yeah. No no surprises. You've done a lot with your cousin, right? Yeah, my cousin and I have done quite a few. Yeah. Um, and actually, I did one one of these trips I did w- with a handful of other entrepreneurs from here, like Jeremy Andrus from Traeger and uh, a handful of others, uh, Clint Peterson, um, who's from the, the Peterson Ventures and Peterson Partners family, um, my, my buddy Chris Bowler from Criminelli. I don't know if you know Criminelli, that, the, the meat company here yeah, in Utah, yeah. they really, they, you know, they sell all over the all over the country in Starbucks and other places. But, you know, we have, a, you know, a really fun crew that we do some t- a well, trip with every year. Jeremy is one of the best mentors that I've had. I so admire him. And he talked a lot about that trip. He actually wrote a piece about it in Forbes that I recommend people check out. And there's a great quote in there, and I won't say it nearly as eloquently as it was, but it's one of those that's always stuck with me about why you do these things. Why do you take these adventures? Why do you push yourselves to these limits kind of beyond where you're comfortable? And it was a quote from, I believe, a French writer, but it says that uh, you do it because... Uh, when you've been above, then when you come down, you've still seen what's above. Do you remember that? Yeah, I'm talking I, about? yeah I do. You, I, I have, actually, I have the quote on my phone here, like, yeah. but I won't, I won't find it in time. But, but yeah, it was something about, you know, why, why would you go up when you, you, you know, it's such a quick thing, you're back down. But it's like, if you're down, you don't know what, what's up. But once you've been up there and you look down, you always know what was up mm. when you're, when you're back down. And, um, yeah, it's a it's a great quote. I, yeah. I loved that. That's incredible. Yeah, that's cool. Wow, I'm going to celebrate by uh, having a uh, another helping of cake tonight. So um, <laughs> that, that you keep referring to it, by the way. I know that this pod will come out afterwards. Yeah, no, we should talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it, and then we'll wrap up because we do have an event to go to. And I, I do just have to give a shout out to Jeremy Andrus, um, my my birthday twin. We uh, we both celebrated a birthday that's yesterday, right. yes. July 11th, yeah. and and uh, 7-Eleven Slurpee Day. So uh, Jeremy and I text each other on on our birthdays every year. Oh, um, but uh, but tonight <laughs> we're we're doing a, a fun a, and I appreciate Davis and Coda Paxi. Um, we're gonna do. I don't do birthday parties. Abby's always <laughs> trying to get birthday parties. I hate them. Um, but this one I don't. I'm really excited about because we're doing an event. Um, it's I mean it's the campaign, but it's we're we're not. We're not raising any money. We're we're actually giving it all to uh, to, to refugees, to mm-hmm. a great cause, and and uh, it's it's what you believe in, and you've inspired us and so many people, and we can't thank you enough. So it's going to be fun tonight. It's one of the things I'm most excited about with the campaign is a chance to see, just like in the business world, like with what Davis is doing at Cotopaxi, what will happen when a campaign and and even a you know an administration makes 
being a force for good, a central part of everything they're doing. So pretty cool thing, unusual, that uh, the birthday party tonight is all about raising funds, not for the campaign, which almost any campaign manager, besides the one that we've got, would say that's crazy really and bad that's idea. stupid, <laughs> it's a bad idea. Um, but I think just like you've seen with Cotopaxi, it'll help people know that this is something different that uh, you know Spencer and Abby are doing together well davis is trying to change capitalism and we're trying to change democracy and and we really believe that there's a better way out there and just like young people are 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 frustrated by what they're seeing with with capitalism i think it's the same thing these same young people who volunteer their time all the time want nothing to do with politics right because there's there's no heart in it anymore and there's no conscience in it anymore and and utah's the one place where i think that that we can prove that that's different and And show a better way and especially on the republican side um, I think, unfortunately, we've ceded too many matters of the heart to the other realm. There's the old apocryphal quote we've talked about on here before that says that if you're 20 and not a liberal, you don't have a heart. If you're 30 and not a conservative, you don't have a head. It's attributed to Winston Churchill, but I don't think he really said it. But uh, mm-hmm. the, the point of it is that, um, you know, Republicans in Utah can show that they care. Uh, they can lead out. And w- and I think there's a lot of examples of that and uh, another chance tonight to get together and celebrate with people yeah. who feel the same way. We like hearts and heads both. Um, we, uh, we're we going to wrap um, because we have this event to go to. Uh, we'll, we'll save our our, uh, our NBA talk for the uh, for next week. Uh, we've had some big changes in the NBA, uh, big changes over the last week, which are crazy. Um, Davis, though, I, before you go, I know you're a big baseball fan um, and a uh, big Dodgers fan. Yeah. So uh, Abby and I, we actually yeah, went to, uh, we went to a Dodgers game last year. Um, had a great time there. Chavez Ravine, yeah. Dodger yeah. Stadium, I yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah, fun stadium to go to. Old school stadium. Old school. Gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous place. Uh, how, how, how's your team doing this year? Uh, this is a good year it for is us. A good year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, you know, I remember in uh, 1988 they won the World Series yeah. for the last time. I was ten Oral years Hershiser, old. Oral Hershiser, Oral Hershiser, yes, yeah, exactly. Very well. So, uh, you know, for us Dodgers fans, we're hoping that we can uh, do something again. You know, we've gone to the World Series two years in a row, but lost. And uh, uh, this year feels like it might be our year. Maybe you can't get, you know, too confident. You have this glimmer in your eyes when yeah. you talk about oh, it, though. <laughs> yeah. My, my dad and my brothers and I, we we, uh, we track every game. We have a text thread. We, like, we're totally into it. Uh, so, yeah, I love that so much. I mean, that's we talk about sports, sports a lot on together. Here. It does, yeah. and and that's uh, you know my uncle calls me after every jazz game, and we have this text thread where we it, that's that's it's just it's the best. It's the best. So mm. good stuff. Uh, good luck to your Dodgers. Um, the you know the Red Sox will be there the waiting. Sox, yeah, and, and, yeah, they will uh, be. Uh, unfortunately, they, you guys won last. They year. They probably so. won't be <laughs> this year. Not look, we're only a game and a half out of the uh, wild card, I think. But uh, we're. We're so glad that you would take time to come and do oh, this. Yes. This has been one of my favorite podcasts that we've done. I think this is we've done fifty-five of them, um, and uh, and this is just amazing. And, and people are going to love this. Uh, we we appreciate what you're doing to make Utah a better place, and uh, w- we actually sign off with your your tagline. So we'll do that now. Thanks for listening to our listeners uh, to the pod. We hope you'll join us again next week. And uh, thanks for being here. And remember to always do good. Cox and friends out.